Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oracle's News Radio. Today is Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. I am Renee Thomas, your host of Oracle's News Radio. Please share this podcast with your friends and family on email and social media. The more you guys know, the better prepared you can be. As usual, we have a lot to cover and a lot to talk about. Now, one of the things we do here at Oracle's News Radio is we bring to you news featuring current events, Oracle and prophetic news, astrology forecasts, and all things that include the current energy climate within the country and even within the world. Our viewpoint is progressive, so our commentary is also as such. We want to take a little time to welcome back any recent listeners from the following countries, the United States, Ethiopia, the UK, India, United Arab Emirates, Canada, Lebanon, Sweden, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Czechia, France, Germany, Brazil, Belgium, Italy, and Ukraine. I want to thank you all for, for listening from whichever podcast platform you listen from. You can learn more about our parent company at anointedgroove.com. So let's get started. Our current topic for today is inspired by Amnesty International. And what we will be talking about is China and religion. There are various aspects that we will view this from. And we will start by talking about China, just who China is. Now, many people who are not familiar with China think that China is just a country with various possibly states or cities. And China is much more than that. The People's Republic of China consists not only of various states within the country, but also various autonomous regions, which are similar to how the United States sees Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands as such. And these autonomous regions, to a certain extent, do govern themselves, even though they are subject to China. Now, China, or at least certain dynasties of China, are among the oldest nations in the world. And they are to be respected for their longevity and for their rulership. Now, of the five autonomous regions of China, which are generally along the borders of China, along the northern border is Inner Mongolia, and south of Inner Mongolia is Ningxia. To the west, the actual northwest is Xinjiang, which is who we will be focusing on in this particular podcast and then south of Xinjiang is Tibet and the southern central China would be 
Gangji. So these are various, again, semi-independent autonomous regions, but not really. Um, these particular regions, specifically the region of Xinjiang, um, is one of that is being purported to be persecuted. We'll talk about some of the people who have been persecuted, some of their testimonies and interviews and what they say is happening there from a religious standpoint. But first, let's look at China as a whole. So one of the things we have hopefully done for you is to let you know that China is not just a one-bodied country with a, a, a capital city of Beijing. China is made up of various regions to include Hong Kong and to include all of those autonomous states that we just mentioned. And they are known as the People's Republic of China. And to some extent, they are a, an Asian empire. And basically what China says about their policy per people.com.cn, they say that after the birth of new China in 1949, the Chinese government says of itself that they formulated and implemented the policy of religious freedom and they established a new relationship between politics and religion in accordance to the actual condition of the country. So Chinese citizens are free to choose the various expressions of religious beliefs that they want to demonstrate and all of these religions are equal and they coexist harmoniously with one another and as far as there's no dispute between the religions so these religions are supposed to operate autonomously they cannot force other people to join they cannot purport that if you don't join that you're doing something wrong and they cannot they cannot have any type of ideology that preaches hatred now this goes on to say that the Constitution of the People's Republic of China stipulates that citizens of the People's Republic of China do enjoy freedom of religion and no state organ, public organization, or individual can compel citizens to believe in or to not believe in any religion, nor may they discriminate against citizens because they do or do not believe in religion. And the state protects normal religious activities. Um, it also stipulates that nobody can make use of religion to engage in activities that disrupt social order, impair health of citizens. Now, this is all coming from China. Or these bodies cannot interfere with the educational system of the state. So the religious organizations are not subject to any foreign dominance. And it says here that China's national regional autonomy law, civil law, education law, labor law, compulsory education law, electoral law of People's Congress, organic law of villagers committee and advertisement law also stipulate citizens, no matter their religious whether they're a religious believer or not, they enjoy the right of election and to be elected. Now, again, the website that I am getting this from 
is en.people.cn and you may have to translate this. So as I always say in my podcast, if I'm translating something, I'm translating by electronic means. So please keep that in mind with regard to your receipt of this information. I always say take the information that we're giving to you and go and do your own research and find out what you need to do for yourself. Now, Chinese laws also stipulate that normal missionary affairs and religious services in places of religious activities or at homes of believers in accordance with their religious practice, such as paying homage to Buddha or reciting scripts on religious classics, which like is like the Bible or the Quran, worship services, prayer, interpreting religious works. We know that there are numerous interpretations of these works, preaching, mass baptism, being initiated into monkhood or nunhood, practicing abstinence during Ramadan, observing religious festivals or sacraments, um, should be completely carried out by religious organizations and believers and are protected by law and that no one can interfere with these activities. Now, this for the most part is the public policy that's listed on that site. Now, there's another organization and the website there is cfr.com, the Council on Foreign Relations. They are a group that believes in collecting valid research and data on other countries as it relates to the United States. And they have um, donors and funders and they're backed by educated people and businesses and things of that nature, but they are their own body. This is not a government site, but they do invite journalists to to read their website and to read their their information and to gather information. But again, you also have to do your own research and to gather other pieces of information, especially if you've not been to a place. We're just reporting what is being said that is very interesting and something that we need to consider. So they say that more and more people are beginning to practice religion in China. This was updated in September 2020. And the government has started to toughen their oversight and increase religious persecution. And this is in line with what Amnesty International is reporting as well. Now, in summary, it says that the Chinese Communist Party or the CCP is officially atheist but it recognizes five religions in China and the People's Republic of China. Those religions are Buddhism, Catholicism, Taoism, Islam, and Protestantism. And the authorities do tightly monitor or monitor registered and unregistered groups. There are a growing number of religious believers that practice folk religions um, these are religions having to do with ancestral worship, um, fetishes, things of that nature. And China has one of the largest populations of religious prisoners. And some groups, including the Uyghur Muslims, 
face high levels of persecution. Now, these Uyghur Muslims are located in one of those autonomous regions that we talked about a little earlier in the show, um, Xinjiang. And so they are being reported as having suffered persecution. We'll, we'll look at that in detail as we continue on with this podcast. It says here that Article 36 of the Chinese Constitution says that citizens enjoy r- freedom of religious belief, which is what we read earlier. It bans discrimination based on religion and forbids state organs, public organizations, and individuals from compelling citizens to believe in or not believe in any particular faith. I want to pause here very briefly and say that I agree with that statement simply because we all know that when you really look at what religion is and what it does, it's definitely rooted in a people's situatedness according to typically a people's ancestry to include that people's mythology and everyone is is they are they give preference to their own families whether their ancestral family or current families so if you say that a person who does not accept your religion is doomed or will be should be persecuted or prosecuted that's unfair because it's it's one person putting their preferences over another so i do understand why even though people should be allowed to practice what they want discrimination should be banned now the state council the relig- the government's administrative authority passed regulations on religious affairs which took place and or effect in february 2018 and to allow state-registered religious organizations to possess property, publish literature, train, approve clergy, collect donations. But these donations, the revisions say that restrictions are on religious schooling and the times and locations of religious celebrations, as well as monitoring of online religious activity and reporting any donation that exceeds 100,000 won or yen, and that's around $15,900. So for large donations, they have to be reported to the government. Now, the government has tallied the registered, and you know they're not all registered. A lot of them are underground. Registered religious believers to be around 200 million or less than 10% of the population. Now, the actual political party is atheist. And if you are serving in political office, you are not supposed to be practicing anything. So you can practice as long as you do not, you do not practice or you can be a politician, but you cannot practice a religion while you're a politician. You can go back to practicing it when you're no longer a politician. So these are the current things that are said. We know that the country is officially atheist. And the main party prohibits is more than 90 million party members from holding the religious offices or religious beliefs. Officials have said that party membership in the CCP the have and um, religious beliefs are incompatible and they discourage families of the political members from publicly participating in religious ceremonies. Although these regulate regulations are not always strictly enforced from time to time. 
they will put the pedal to the metal and they will make their stances known. Um, the CCP states that putting faith in religion is like spiritual anesthesia. That's their take on it. But still, publicly and dogmatically and constitutionally, it is allowed. Now, let's talk about what Amnesty has begun reporting with regard to persecution of people practicing these religions that the People's Republic of China says that it is okay to practice in their regard. So, again, they've stated that it's okay to practice Buddhism, Catholicism, Taoism, Islam, and Protestantism. But there are some Muslims who practice Islam that are being persecuted. Now, they're quoted as saying, we were treated like enemies of war and China is being accused of mass internment, torture, and persecution of Muslims in Xinjiang. As we look at this particular article, we want to talk about what Amnesty International is and what they do. Amnesty International is a group of about 10 million people and their vision is a world as a world where those in power keep their promises, respect international law and are held to account. So we already know that they have promised certain certain freedoms in their constitution. Amnesty is an independent body, independent of any government, political ideology, economic interest or religion, and they're funded mainly by membership and individual donations so typically what they do is they go to various places they observe and they interview and sometimes take pictures and they make reports so what they're saying here is that in the background of what's happening in Xinjiang since 2017 under the guise of a campaign against terrorism the government of China has carried out massive and systematic abuses against Muslims living in Xinjiang, Uyghur Autonomous Region. The autonomous region is technically called Xinjiang. The people are called the Xinjiang Uyghur. And it is a, in, a, in the opinion of this writer and this reporter, the abuses are not legitimate. And they are not legitimate in response to this this suppo supposed terroristic threat. Now, we're not saying that China does not have true terrorism. I'm sure that every nation in the world has true terrorism. But in this region, it is said that these people are being persecuted unduly. Now, it says they're being politically indoctrinated and forced into cultural assimilation. And the government has taken a campaign of arbitrary mass detention where huge numbers of men and women from predominantly Muslim ethnic groups are being detained. Um, they say that it includes hundreds of thousands who have been sent to prison, as well as hundreds of thousands, perhaps even a million or more, who have been sent to what the government refers to as training or education centers. So you know how when you go to various cities or specifically if you're in Florida, 
if you're in Texas and, and various other places, Southern California and just all over the United States. And you can go into stores or areas where nobody speaks Spanish or English. Um, they speak a completely different language. You can even go where they, where they speak not Spanish, but Asian or something else. So America al allows basically everyone to kind of do their own thing when it comes to language. And even now for a lot of young people who are applying for jobs, you have to speak multiple languages in order to get the job. If you are bilingual, you're more likely to get the job than not. Meaning that I've seen, and I, I don't want to sound, I have to be careful what I'm saying, but it does allow for a lot of people who are bilingual to come in and get the jobs. So it's necessary almost for everyone to speak another language. Well, in these internment camps, which are part of a larger campaign of subjugation and forced assimilation in China, the government of China has enacted other far-reaching policies that severely restrict the behavior of Muslims in Xinjiang. And these policies violate multiple human rights, including rights to liberty and security to a person, to privacy, to freedom of movement, to opinion and expression, to thought, consciousness, religion, and belief, and to participate in cultural life, and to equality and non-discrimination. Now, that's a pretty big charge. And not only did the people who had to go to these camps, not only did they get interviewed and testify, but people who worked in the camps did get interviewed too. So Amnesty International interviewed 55 people who had been detained in these internment camps and later released. And all of them, and some people don't get out. Some people die there. All of them have been arbitrarily detained for what appears to be, by all reasonable standards, entirely lawful conduct. That is without having committed any internationally recognized criminal offense. And it says here that the internment camps, they are detention camps and they appear to be operating. Well, the internment camp detention process appears to be operating outside the scope of the Chinese criminal justice system or other domestic law. So it's not considered like going to jail or to prison. So there's a man named Amon. I don't know if this is his real name or not. He's a government official. He participated in certain mass arrests. And he told Amnesty about something that happened in late 2017. And people were, the police went into people's homes without warning. And this is what he says, quote, I was there. The police would take people out of their houses with hands handcuffed behind them including women, and they put black hoods on them. Nobody could resist. Imagine if all of a sudden a group of police enters your home, cuffs you, and puts a black hood over your head. It was very sad. Afterwards, I cried. That night, we made 60 arrests. That was just in one district of many where people were being detained. Every day, they arrested more people. So, again, this is one of the people who was a government official, and he worked for the government. And it says here that individuals that Amnesty interviewed said that reasons they were given for their detention 
were often not tied to anything specific. Rather, they were informed that they had been detained because they had been classified as suspicious, untrustworthy, or as a terrorist or an extremist. And when specific acts were mentioned, they generally fell into a few broad categories. One category included offenses relating to foreign countries. Numerous former detainees were sent to camps for living, traveling, or studying abroad, or for communicating with people abroad. And many were even detained simply for being connected with people who lived, traveled, studied, or communicated with people abroad. Another category of what made these people get detained included offenses related to using unauthorized software or digital communications technology. And many former detainees were sent to camps for using or having forbidden software applications on their mobile phones. Now, you know that there are certain um, apps that people are not supposed to be using in China. And so when they do get that, and they have these apps, these people are not supposed to be able to look at what's going on in other parts of the world. And you can do a lot of things with computers, especially if you know about it. And they got in trouble for having that stuff on their phone. So apparently they are being closely monitored. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more about how they're being monitored and how there is guilt by association. So they say that in these camps, there was insufficient food, water, exercise, health care, sanitary and hygienic conditions, fresh air and exposure to natural light. They had draconian restrictions placed on their ability to urinate or to relieve themselves. All detainees were required to work one or two hour shifts, monitoring their cellmates every night. And many former detainees reported that during the first few days, weeks, or sometimes months after arriving at the camps, they were forced to do nothing but sit still, often in terribly uncomfortable positions for nearly the entire day. Now, what did they learn in their classes? They did go to classes, highly regimented classes, where they were being indoctrinated Um, They had to go to class for three or four hours um, after breakfast. And then detainees had a lunch, a short rest, which sometimes meant they sat on a stool and didn't move or put their heads on their desk. These are grown people. And after lunch, there was another three or four hours of classes and then dinner, followed by a few hours to sit or kneel on a stool silently and review the day's materials or to watch educational videos. Now, During the classes, they were required to look straight ahead and not speak with their classmates. And classes often involved memorizing and reciting red songs, that is revolutionary songs that praise the CCP and the People's Republic of China. And teaching Chinese, the Chinese language, was a primary objective of the education. And that's why I was mentioning to you that Right now, a lot of people who work in the United States do well when they are bilingual. But here, they are forcing people to learn the language. You must learn the language. You will be sent to a detention camp if you are are associated with other countries and doing those other things on your phones and computers. You must learn the Chinese language, which is not easy to do. And a part of that education um was also a combination of history law and ideology chinese ideology classes 
as many former detainees referred to it, political education. And these classes focused largely on forcing or indoctrinating detainees about the evils of Islam and how prosperous, powerful, and benevolent China, the CCP, and President Xi Jinping are. Now, Yerulan, and I'm not sure if these are real names or I wouldn't put my real name on this thing. Yerulan, a former detainee, told Amnesty he believed the political education classes were structured to prevent detainees from having or practicing their religion. And this is what he said, quote, I think the purpose of the classes was to destroy our religion and to assimilate us. They said that we couldn't say assalamu alaikum and that if we were asked what our ethnicity was, we should say Chinese. They said that you could not go to Friday prayers and that it was not Allah who gave you all. It was Xi Jinping. You must not thank Allah. You must thank Xi Jinping for everything. They were interrogated and questioned regularly. And they were frequently required to write letters of confession or self-criticism, um, confessing one's crimes, um, saying what they had done wrong, and that the education they were receiving was enabling them to recognize the error of their ways and transform their thinking. So this is definitely, it's, it's a little bit different than the concentration camps that the Germans did with the Jews. It's, it's more like a, an indoctrinization, like a, a cult type thing, um, if you really want to look at it, only not religious. Now, they also talked about some of the treatment of the detainees by staff and officials that was actually torture. And one of the persons says that two guards took me from the cell and dropped me off at the room where I was interrogated and two men were inside and they asked what I did in Kazakhstan. Did you pray there? What did your parents do? I said, I only stayed with family that I took care of livestock and that I didn't do anything illegal. They asked me about mosque and praying. If I told them I had been praying, I had heard that I would get sentenced for 20 to 25 years. So I told them I never prayed. Then they became upset and they said, all that time with livestock and you became an animal too. Then they hit me with a chair until it broke. I fell to the floor. I almost fainted. Then they put me on the chair again. They said, this guy hasn't changed yet. He needs to stay in the camp longer, unquote. So basically they would question you and determine themselves whether they thought you were telling the truth. They also talked about the man who was tortured in what's called the tiger chair. Um, the cellmates reported that the man was in our room for more than two months. He was made to sit in a large, in a, in a tiger chair, not large, a tiger chair. I think the man was being punished for pushing a guard. They brought the chair into our room. They told us that if we helped him, then we would sit in the chair. It was an iron chair. His arms were cuffed and chained. Legs were chained as well. His body was tied to the back of the chair Two cuffs were locked around his wrist and legs, a rubber thing attached to the ribs to make the person sit up straight. At some point, we could see his testicles. He would relieve himself in the chair, and he was in the chair for three nights, and he died after that. He was taken out of the cell. We found out through people in the cell. So some of these people, if they fight back or if they don't let go of their faith, they are tortured because they are considered as 
not wanting to and not be indoctrinated into the actual culture of China. So there are various numbers of ways that these people in Xinjiang are having surveillance on them. Now, we all know that we live in a police society and a surveillance society, and they had biometric data collected, including iris scans and facial imagery. They had invasive interviews by government officials, regular searches and interrogations by security officers, actual home stays by government employees where people were assigned to come into their house to live with ethnic minority families to watch them in their homes, you guys. An ever-present network of surveillance cameras, including that facial recognition software, a vast network of checkpoints were known as convenience police stations where you had to check and let them know who you were as you were coming in and out and unfettered access to people's personal communications devices and financial history. Okay, so they have that in the United States. They have that in the United States too. So yes, this is a police, a policed, heavily policed society, not just in China, all over the world is heavily policed and sometimes you you come out better living in a second or third world nation where they don't have the money or the the manpower to do this kind of thing so muslims living in Xinjiang cannot move freely the government restricts their travel both both within the province and between Xinjiang and the rest of china and so it's very very difficult for some of these people particularly the uyghurs to travel abroad This is what is being reported in that autonomous region of China, despite what the Constitution says about religious freedoms for those who practice Islam. So one of the things that we wanted to do here at Oracle's News Radio is to make this known and to give everyone an opportunity to think. Most people are not um, educated in religion and what it does. Now, there is a free course that you can take um, with Harvard X, Harvard EDX. You can just put that on your um, Google search and you can actually take a class that has to do with religious literacy. I believe that that is a really good class to take so people can understand how political regimes create religion how political governments and militaries promote or destroy people's beliefs, how they manage what one does and incorporate the wishes of the current regime and culture into the people's culture and how it then becomes a form of a belief. So religion may not be what you or I truly think it is. It actually is a tool that can truly be used by governments, but it typically has to, to some extent, coincide with the forces of nature because forces of nature cannot be denied. So most religions have a a synonymous thread through them about nature and that incorporates that belief just enough for people to believe it. And many of the um, festivals are surrounding or are planned with 
various natural occurrences or changes of seasons and things of that nature so that people can buy into it. Um, that is basically what standardized religion is. And it's sometimes very difficult to understand what the differences in some of these religions are, specifically Abrahamic religions. But that's just something for you to think about. Again, we come from a pro progressive standpoint and we do not force any particular religion on anyone. We just request that you study and research and understand what it is. And this, this Harvard class can be taken for free. Again, it's Harvard X or Harvard EDX. Just put that in your Google search, Harvard EDX religious literacy class and you should be able to pull it up I suggest that everybody should be <laughs> signed up for this course it's not a difficult course and it helps you to understand the history and truth about different religions in the world and how people specifically a world that most people are not literal literate and cannot read how they see religion how they view religion and how various races even in the west have used religion to to create a master race. And it's something we have to think about when we're looking at our, our soul and our spirit and how we see the universal powers. So I hope that gives you something to think about. We want to thank you listeners from whichever platform you're listening or from or enjoying. Remember to visit us at anointedgroup.com. Tell someone you listen to Oracle's news radio and learn something important because if you do, you can rest assured that the both of you and those you bring to us will enjoy the facts and nothing but. Until next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.